My name is Rose Cortine and you're listening to the Talking Teenage Life podcast. This is a podcast that explores people's experiences in their teenage years and what they've learnt since. On today's podcast, we'll be interviewing Matt Pritchett. Now, maybe the name Matt Pritchett won't necessarily mean much to all of you, but it's his first name you'll know him by. Because Matt Pritchett is Matt the Daily Telegraph cartoonist who entertains us with his morning cartoons on a news topic of the day. Hi, Matt. Hello. Let's start off with talking about your teenage years. Where were you as a child? I grew up in London uh, and I lived in London all my life really and it was pretty central. My primary school was at the Barbican and then my secondary school was in New Cross in South East London. So I've I've always been in London. Yeah. How did you find school? Did you find it like hard or... The, like the lessons and academically quite easy I wasn't very interested really I always had there was always something outside school that I was always much more interested <laughs> yeah. in so I I funnily enough in later years I've become fascinated by history but at yeah. the time I couldn't think of anything yeah. worse than a history lesson uh, um, and I I was just a bit bored by by school really. Yeah, and look and forward to the holidays and I look, things. And I had holiday jobs when I was a teenager, Yeah, which were all, they weren't very particularly fascinating jobs, but yeah. I loved working in the, in the holidays. Yeah. And part of it was that they gave you money at the end of the week, which, <laughs> uh, which seemed to me a much better, you know, that, that was something worth working for. You know, yeah. uh, the, the teachers would say to me at school, well, if you work very hard, you can get an A instead of a B. I didn't really see the point, really. Yeah. But if somebody said a uh, job, well, at the end of the week, we're going to give you some money. I, that, that There's something fo- more to go for. <laughs> it focused yeah. my mind a bit, yes. So I always loved my holiday jobs. I think it was photography when I was a teenager. That was the thing I was. I wanted to be the next Cartier-Bresson, and I'd yeah. carry my camera around, yeah. hoping, I'd, hoping I'd get some amazing photograph of something that no one else had managed to get. Um, yeah. So you mentioned you enjoyed photography. Did you have? Did you want to go into photography, or did you have any other aspirations? They were always changing, so um, they, uh, and I would have like a new craze, and I was desperate to do that. And yes, but then for, suddenly yeah, changed. exactly. But photography tended to be one that I came back to, and I I didn't know what kind of photographer I wanted to be, um, and in fact. After art school, I I thought I wanted to be a film cameraman, so yeah. I I did a lot of. 
sort of work placement and working, you know, with the BBC. Yeah. Sort of helping them out for no money. Um, uh, and I loved it. But I, it, funnily enough, what should have been the thing that really inspired you to go for the job, actually, after a summer of doing it, I thought, I'm not sure I do want to do yeah. this for my life. So what type of person were you as a child? Like, were you more creative or sporty? I was a daydreamer, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I do joke that my teachers would say, you'll never earn a living by staring out of the window <laughs> daydreaming, which yeah. is, in fact, exactly what I do every day. <laughs> so, so yeah. uh, um, but I, I was a terrible daydreamer. I loved sport, but I was never quite, you know, I was desperate to be a footballer, but I think I'd made the school team once. Or, yeah. Uh, um, uh, and I, um, I mean, I, I was a bit of a class clown. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, my birthday's in July. So one of the youngest. I was the, the very year. youngest. Yeah. And also, although... I want on the record, I'm now five foot ten. <laughs> I was tiny at yeah. school and I looked like <laughs> I was two or three years like lower, in, yeah. In lower. So, you know, everyone when I was growing up was sort of stubbly men and I looked sort of a foot shorter yeah. and had a squeaky voice and uh, <laughs> looked much younger than everyone yeah. else. So, uh, it, I think, you know, if you make people laugh, then hopefully... You get more attention. And you won't yeah. be beaten up quite as often <laughs> as you might be uh, yeah. uh, otherwise. So I, I did joke around. I yeah. did make jokes at, at school. So what did you enjoy doing outside of school? So I always had... Photography was a big yeah. hobby. I did that. I had... I did a tiny bit of tennis, but in London it wasn't so easy to do without being near a club and yeah I played a bit of football later years I played a bit of snooker in snooker clubs in London which are sort of terrible scary dives but I used to love it uh um and but it's it was one of those times where I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my just trying everything yeah and then I got into art so I did do a lot of painting and drawing and I used to I mean, that's a bit more when I was at art school, but I did yeah. go go around London just painting Anything scenes of see, London. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I loved painting derelict buildings, and there are rather a lot of them in London, so yeah. that was quite uh, quite easy. Yeah. So you're now you're following in some very similar footsteps to your dad and granddad. What was your granddad like as um, a person? Because he's the best short story writer in That's the 20th right. century well he, it was it was fascinating going to see him because we'd go to sunday lunch every so often and they lived in a very very tall thin house and uh we'd turn up and our granny would let us in and we'd all have a jolly chat and everything yeah. and then she'd say it's lunchtime. Go and tell VSP. She called him VSP because his yeah. name was Victor Sorton Pritchard. So, but everyone called him VSP, and she called him <laughs> Vusp. She'd say, "Go and tell 
wasp its lunch. Yeah. <clears throat> so you have to run up all the stairs. Yeah. And he'd be sitting at the very top of the building in yeah. an armchair with a little board on his lap and a fountain pen and he'd write his uh, stories, stories in, yeah. in, in sort of with this spidery handwriting that no one could read except my <laughs> grandmother and what we sort of learned was if you were doing something creative it was very hard work you yeah. know and even if we went on Christmas day to them We'd have to go and get him because he'd be writing, you know, yeah. before lunch. And you, you just got this impression that it, it's, it, it's always hard work and it never gets easier. And it never stops. Really, and it never, never stops. stops building, yeah. yeah. And he was a wonderfully kind, funny, lovely man. And yeah. Uh, and he'd had a sort of. Uh, you know, fascinating life. But yeah. even in his 90s, you know, he was working, he'd work sort of in the morning up and till... And still publishing yeah, stories. Yeah, and he'd work... And then he'd go for a walk in the afternoon around Regent's Park. Yeah. And then he'd come back and do a couple more hours, I think. So yeah. I think we we always... It was just part of our childhood that we knew if you were going to do something creative it was going to be hard, hard work, work. Yeah. yeah so what was his personality like and Very did that funny. like reflect on his stories and yes things? i mean the 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 funny thing is all the like on both sides the, yeah. the men in my family are very quiet i've never ever seen any one I know in my family lose their temper, you know. And <laughs> yeah. there's a very funny story about my father when he was a little boy. Yeah. Uh, that he went out to swim. Uh, I think they were on holiday somewhere. Yeah. But he wasn't a very good swimmer and he was in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, but he was too shy to shout help. So my grandfather spotted him. Yeah. And my grandfather couldn't really swim either so, so he swam bit, yeah. out and they were both too polite to mention that they were drowning <laughs> but they did they did manage together to somehow yeah. sort of doggy paddle to the shore yeah and neither of them ever mentioned that they escaped death by the uh, hair's breath yeah um, but that's what they were like they were sort of funny and and uh, kind and always always good-natured you know? yeah so your dad was an author and a columnist for the newspaper did he have an influence on you like and well you... enormous yes and he it, it's it's always very difficult I mean he somebody once said my grandfather wrote short stories and my yeah. father wrote articles <clears throat> And now I've got it down to a caption. So I, every generation writes slightly less uh, than, than the previous the, yeah. generation. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, it was incredibly helpful, although he's a writer and I'm a cartoonist. But yeah. the thing about a caption, actually, uh, for a joke, is it, it, I spend an enormous amount of the day sort of just slightly tweaking the caption thinking would it be yeah. funnier if 
Changed that this was word, word or, yeah. Or I had a comma there, or it started with you know what, or yeah. you know. So it, he is brilliant with words. So yeah, I, I still say to him now, which is funnier? Is it funnier yeah. if they do this? And his yeah, he, he's just every day he's brilliant. And, yeah, you know he will. Uh, um, give me advice I trust, and also sort of. You know, what's a better word than, you know, yeah. hopeless or disaster or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So your sister, jo- Georgia, Georgia yeah. yeah, she's a comedi- comedy yeah. screenwriter and has written for things like Miranda and Wallace and Gromit. What was she like when you were growing she, up with her? It's so funny because she, we would all uh, tell funny stories and everything or watch yeah. funny... And she'd always sit stony-faced. And we'd always say to her, Georgia, don't you find it funny? She said, I do find it very funny. I'm just not laughing out loud. <laughs> anyway, she turns yeah. out to be the funniest one of us all. And uh, um, she sort of... Uh, I mean, I, I don't think she can... Thank God she can't draw, because then I'd be out of a job if she was a cartoonist. But, yeah. Uh, I, um, but... I find, you know, what she has to do completely terrifying. Uh, yeah. Because, it's, you know... It's it, judged by the people. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And um, the other thing is you'll be on set and somebody will say, okay, you've, you've got to walk into a room and, you know, you've just been fired. And yeah. they'll say... I want a funnier line. I don't think this line is funnier. So they'll all say, yeah. Georgia, uh, we want a funnier line than this. Yeah. So while they all stand around, you yeah. have to think of a better line there and then, you know. Because uh, it's uh, on, like, affecting your job as I well. Know. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the other thing you realise is that when the stars go to the Oscars yeah. and they have to say something... They bring Georgia yeah. and say, "What am I going to? When I win the Oscar, what do I say?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you have yeah. to write scripts for everything. Anything, yeah. You know, li- literally. You know, I'm going to open a supermarket or whatever. What yeah. do I say? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving on to your career, how did you get your first cartoon into the Telegraph? Well, after I'd um, decided I didn't want to be, I. Changed my mind an awful lot of times, yeah. <laughs> and the, the the last thing I tried was being a film cameraman, which I I'd been an assistant cameraman yeah. at the BBC, unpaid, but I, and I'd done that for sort of a summer, and I yeah. thought I didn't get I there was a job came up and I didn't even get shortlisted for it, and I was oh. I I just <laughs> thought that it, it's going to take me ages to get a job, yeah. and I'm not even sure I want one. You know, yeah. um, and it's interesting the things that you know that was a big setback, and I gave up. But I've yeah. had setbacks in cartooning, but I've carried on. You yeah. know, so I when I when I sort of was fed up with being a film cameraman, I thought, well, I went to art school. So yeah. I can draw a bit. And I heard that a magazine magazines that carried cartoons paid £75 for a <laughs> cartoon. And I thought, yeah. 
I remember I was living in a bedsit uh, and my rent was 30 quid a week. And I thought, well, I just have to think of one joke in a week and I can pay my rent and have a bit of money left over for food. And I thought, I must be able to think of a joke. And I, I, so I started sending them off and it took a really long time. It took weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think after sort of months, I suddenly got one in. And I was, from that moment, completely hooked. I thought, this this is really what I want to do. So is that when you realised it it would become a career then? I I then thought, because up until then, I really hadn't any idea what I was going to do. And then one appeared, and I thought, I I can do this. I can do it. I don't know how good I'll be at it, but I can actually see me doing this as a living you know and I I tried to work for a newspaper because I hate being on my own I would like to be in a big office full of one of the reasons I liked being uh, a film cameraman is that you're working in a big group yeah with other people yeah and they're all a bit sweary and funny and rude yeah you know and newspaper people are very like that so I just thought, wouldn't it be fun to be in a newspaper? And then yeah. also, the subject comes to you because you know you can decide you, what you, it you, is exactly. So, um, so how did you decide like what they would be? Did the editors give you any specifications or not? So for a while, I was doing, I was illustrating articles, which yeah. sort of means there was a diary column in the. Telegraph, yeah. and that the, one of the reasons I went for the Telegraph is, funnily, not that my dad worked there. It was that they had a diary, and they would accept a cartoon from someone who wasn't on staff. Yeah, every day. So if you just dropped it off by three o'clock, it could be in. The, it might be in yeah. the following day's paper. Um, so I would drop off an envelope of like three or four cartoons every day yeah. on the news. And about after after about six or seven weeks, after a, a while, I'd get about two or three in a week. So yeah. that was really great. And yeah. then I worked out if I sort of hung around the building a bit, yeah, um, they'd say to me, "Oh, there's a news story about a, a postman that bit a dog. So would you do yeah. a cartoon for that?" Yeah, and. I, and then I could get double the money. So yeah. I, I, I was just sort of hanging around the building a lot and, <laughs> um, and, and getting a lot of, and appearing sort of yeah. inside to illustrate funny stories. So, um, yeah. and I, I love doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a big leap from doing, illustrating a funny story yeah. to being on the front page and this is my joke on the news you know that's quite a big yeah. jump um have you ever had a day where you just don't find anything funny and you have no inspiration or anything well the the i mean a bit like i was saying about my grandfather that yeah i've i've worked out you rarely are inspired it's just hard yeah. work you have to sit down and think of jet I mean, a terrible day is when there's hardly any news around. Like, yeah. Because you've got, you don't know, is this story going to go on the front or is it yeah. not going to go on the front? Is anyone going to know this story? Yeah. And I, if ever there's a terrible tragedy, 
Um, You've got I'm, to then I'm make just it not, serious. I'm, or well, then not I, I'm not on yeah. the front. So I, I'm ashamed to say when um, when there's a terrible, terrible day with no news, and I yeah. can't think. I used to think, please let the Queen Mother die today, <laughs> because then I'll I'll be sent home and I don't have to do a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, so th- there are days when I, you know, like sort of. If there's a terrorist attack, that I yeah. just go home because they don't want any jokes in the paper. But, yeah. Um, but every other day, I have to be on the front. Yeah. How many drafts do you draw like, each day of different cartoons? Well, I've got into the habit it, when when they very the very first time they said, "Oh, you might be on the front page." Yeah. Um, can you have some ideas? I thought. Well, if I show them one or two, they they'll, they can say no. But if yeah. I show them six ideas, <laughs> there has to be one of those. Yeah, that, that you know, like, if you yeah. show six, there must be one that's yeah. good enough. And I, that's just a habit I've got into. And so every afternoon, I show six ideas to the editor. And it's amazing how many times you think, okay, I've got five ideas on this sheet of paper. Yeah. But I always show six. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to think of a rubbish joke just to fill up, so to make yeah. it six instead of five. Yeah. So you think, all right, well, it just has to be one more idea on Brexit or whatever. And, and then that one actually and that gets is the in, one. Yeah. And it's the extra little push. Um, that makes all the difference. It's, it's nearly always the one they pick, you know, the, the sort of extra yeah. little push um, that does it. Yeah. Have you ever had to change a cartoon because, like, a news headline has changed or something? I only once have got halfway home and saw on my phone a news alert that a big, important minister had resigned. Yeah. And it was still, I think, six thirty, and I the the last edition the the last moment I can do a cartoon is about nine or nine thirty. Yeah. So I thought this is really big news. So I did turn around and go back to the office and do yeah. something. Um, and sometimes, like when England were in the World Cup yeah. semi-final, I was at the office with an England win joke and an England lose joke. Yeah. And it was getting closer and closer to nine o'clock. And, and you still didn't know which one yeah, to take. Yeah, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I much preferred my... England lose joke and they did lose uh, so <laughs> although the country was in despair because we'd been knocked out of the World Cup yeah. I was thrilled because I much preferred my England lose joke to my England <laughs> yeah do you know if you have any famous fans that really like and look it, forward to your it, cartoons it's extraordinary that I mean you do um, I remember the very first fan mail I got from someone famous and it was when John Major there was we had a prime minister called John Major who was uh, he everything was going wrong for him (laughs) and um, uh, the queen fell off her horse and I did a cartoon of uh, a newsstand it said queen falls off horse prime minister not to blame or something yeah, like that yeah. because everything was his fault and 
he sent me the most charming letter. <laughs> and he said, thank you. It really made him laugh. Yeah. And thank you for reminding people that not everything in the world is my fault. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, I was, I mean, I'd only been doing it a few years then, but it yeah. was, you know, extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the weird thing about cartooning is I show it to the editor and maybe a couple yeah. of other people in the office, but you have no idea who sees it. And what their reaction is. And I had, a couple of years ago, I had a very weird, I will say weird, but the phone call was weird, but the experience was fantastic. And a man rang, and it was, he rang me in about January or February and said, are you free for lunch in October or November, I think it was. (laughs) Well, I think I probably am. Yeah. And he said, "Uh, can you come to Buckingham Palace? And... Uh, have lunch with the Queen. And um, <laughs> so I had seven months to worry about yeah. it. And I was, so it was the Queen, Prince Philip, and I think there were, I was one of four or five guests. Yeah. So it was really, I had, I was sitting next to Prince Philip. Yeah. And then we all swapped round and I had coffee with the Queen. And it was, and she mentioned V.S. Pritchett because she yeah. knew him a bit. And it was one of those things that you just couldn't believe it, you, it was happening. Yeah. You know, it was, and I mean, they didn't say they were fans, but, <laughs> you know, he, Prince Philip wrote a very, very nice thing when I did 30, got to my 30th anniversary at the Telegraph. Yeah. So. so, 30 years on. Do you think your um, humour has changed and, like, the things you find funny has changed, which has then made your cartoons change or not? Well, actually, I try and cling on to the sort of silliness, you know, yeah. that when you start, you're not quite sure what's going what people, on. And what uh, people uh, find and, funny. And you just do sort of... Uh, sometimes I... I I think you do more joyful sort of yeah. uh, crazy things. And I try and sometimes I try and make the effort to think, don't get too bogged down in all the intricacies of politics because yeah. people, you know, and it's very funny. One of the reasons I show six jokes is that yeah. sometimes I think I've thought of something very clever about politics, but no one else might find yeah. it funny. And and I show them to people, and they they look at the politics one, and they nod and say, "Oh yes, that's very wise." Yeah. But they say, "Oh, I like the picture of the person falling over in the snow." <laughs> you know, and yeah. you, you realize actually. People just want a laugh. They don't yeah. want to 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 be told something very complicated yeah. about what. And so uh, uh, there was a man called Humphrey Littleton who was on the radio, and he said, "You have to remember to be silly." Um, yeah. And you know, I have to remember it's my job to make people laugh or try to make people laugh. Yeah. Have there been any cartoons you've um, regretted submitting afterwards? Um, I don't, there was one that wasn't really my fault, but (laughs) it was one of those things that if you're doing a, if you draw a cartoon in the afternoon and it's published overnight and appears the next morning, by the next morning, 
suddenly things can change. And the worst experience of this was there was a story about the plane, the aeroplane Concorde. Yeah. And they found tiny cracks in the wings. Yeah. And um, so I did a joke about... uh, uh, I did a joke of a pilot saying on his intercom, we'll be flying to New York at supersonic speed. Uh, so hopefully we get there before the wings fall off or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. And the day it was on the front, Concorde crashed. Oh. It, it that was when it crashed in Paris. Uh, the wings didn't fall off. It just no, blew yeah. up. Um, and everyone came rushing over to my desk and said, "Have you seen what's happened?" And I assumed I'd get a million letters of complaint, but yeah. I think. Everyone worked out, well, he did this cartoon yeah. yesterday, if it's um, on the front of yeah. the paper today, so he didn't know the plane yeah. was going to crash. But you do, you can, you, you know, you can get overtaken yeah. by events and suddenly something looks uh, in bad taste when it yeah. wasn't meant to be. So the characters who are on your cartoons, they're everyday people, but are they based on people you know? They were. It's it's a very it's not very well kept secret now that <laughs> I I went down to visit my parents who lived in Kent just as I was starting. Yeah. And they had some neighbours who lived next door who yeah. are that exact couple. And I just thought, wouldn't it be funny just to, to draw the news every day? how it affects them. Yeah. You know? And I thought he <laughs> yeah. was a pretty silly man. Uh, and so I, I, that every day when I'm thinking about what's happening in the world, I think, well, how will this affect yeah. them? <laughs> yeah. So we've talked a lot about your career, but what do you do to unwind from it? Well, in a way, the... Uh, the best thing is just to, I mean, I, I check the news uh, in the evening to check nothing terrible's happened, yeah. but actually uh, thinking about different things. So playing tennis or yeah. talking to the family or going out for dinner or yeah. uh, uh, walking the dog or anything yeah. as a distraction uh, is the best thing. Really. Yeah, so you mentioned you played tennis. Is that in London or is that just in Suffolk? It's now it's just in Suffolk actually. Yeah. I mean I I I sort of although I just do this one tiny cartoon on the front page, I, I've managed to turn it into this full time job where I'm in the office from eight in the morning <laughs> till late at night. Yeah. And I think that sort of I I like to get in early into the office and just have a few ideas because yeah. once I've thought of something that I know would be okay, then you slightly relax a bit. Yeah. And then you can think of better ideas. And I've discovered that, although I'd much rather spend less time at the office, but what affects my mood in the evening is whether I think I've done a good joke or a bad joke. So actually, (laughs) you know, if I, if I feel I've done a good joke, I have a much better evening than if I feel I've done a stinker. Um, Do you prefer playing or watching tennis? I prefer playing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I love watching. Yeah, but yeah. I, I uh, um, 
Yeah, I I I love rushing around and playing. Yeah. yeah. Living in London, do you go to Wimbledon a lot? No, I, you know what? I've never been, ever. <laughs> and one of the things is, it's a great time to be at work to do cartoons about yeah. Wimbledon. And actually, I need to be in the office for that. Yeah. And um, the, 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 in the office, the, the sort of, the office divides in, into people who are very rarely in because they're writing stories about things that are happening yeah. outside the office. And then there are a few people like me who never leave because, <laughs> yeah. you know, everything we have to do is in the office. So uh, um, actually, these great sporting occasions, I'm usually in the office trying to do a cartoon yeah. about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so I never leave. I never leave. Yeah. Do you think any of your children will follow in, like, follow your footsteps? Well, I didn't think so, but my eldest daughter is doing exactly what I'm doing. And <laughs> she went to Edinburgh University and did fine art, and I didn't think she was interested at all in what yeah. I did, but she's doing almost exactly what... There's a new <laughs> media company called Tortoise Media. Yeah. Uh, which is just sort of a, a phone on a phone apps and yeah. probably a computer now, and she's their cartoonist. And she <laughs> rings me every day and says, "What are you doing tomorrow?" And I ask yeah. her what she's doing. And uh, have to be careful not to have the same idea. <laughs> I know it's very funny, uh, um, but hers are very different. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're nearing the end of our podcast, but um, I've got one final question to ask you. What would you tell your teenage self? Well, I think I'd say don't worry about changing your mind. You know, that, that I remember feeling as a teenager that, you know, you were making decisions that you couldn't change or were yeah. uh, impossible to reverse. And it's not true. You, you know, I meet people who in middle age decide I don't want to be a doctor anymore I want to be a comedian yeah. or, you know so it you know it's very interesting if you read an autobiography or you uh, um, listen to somebody's Desert Island Discs yeah the path they take to what they eventually are known for and are famous for is always the most extraordinary yeah. weaving path yeah. you know for a while I wanted to be a chef and then I changed I wanted to be an opera singer yeah. and then uh, and it's 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 fine to change your mind and yeah. just do try different things and just do what you want to at that moment because it's you, never too yeah. late to to do something different um and you're not making decisions that need alter the rest of your life yeah well, thank you for talking to me today. It's been a great pleasure, Ruth. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to Talking Teenage Life podcast and that this discussion has inspired you. Please remember to subscribe via your usual podcast provider. We'd love you to leave a review online and don't forget to visit www talkingteenagelife.com to find out what we're up to.